It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. The fear of failing often stops people from moving forward or following a dream. But according to today's guest, Jim Harshaw Jr., every success story includes crushing failure, doubt, and uncertainty. Jim joins us to discuss how to maximize potential and increase resilience by leveraging failure for success. Jim became an NCAA Division I All-American wrestler and later the youngest Division I head coach in the country. Through his life, he has been surrounded by Olympians, CEOs, and millionaires, discovering their systems and frameworks for world-class performance. Jim is host of the Success Through Failure podcast. Welcome, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. So, Jim, I want to start off by talking a little bit about your career. For those that are listening in right now who may not know much about sports, what does it mean to become the youngest Division I head coach in the country? So as a Division I head coach, there, you know, there's, there are very few of those jobs out there, and, and they're hard to come by. And I, um, I got into coaching excuse me, right after my college career, which was 1999, I graduated and got into coaching. I was the assistant coach at the University of Virginia, my alma mater, for uh, just a couple of years before uh, I took over the head coaching position at Slippery Rock University, which is a smaller school in Pennsylvania, Division II athletics, but uh, wrestling opted up to Division I because, uh, because Pennsylvania is such a, a deep wrestling state. Um, a lot of the smaller schools in Pennsylvania opted up to the Division One level because uh, they're able to compete at that level, and and so it was a big deal, right? I mean, I was 26 years old, and uh, really all it meant is I was the most underprepared, uh, <laughs> inexperienced head coach in the country. But uh, but they did give me the reins for the program, so I was proud of that. So you were an elite athlete. How much of the training, and when I say training, I mean the mental training. How much of that do you think went into what you were able to achieve at such a young age? It's a big part that most people don't understand. I mean, you have, I think you have two sons who are competitive swimmers, so you understand there's so much mental uh, training that, that, that needs to go into competing at the highest level, and I really didn't understand that at the high school level, and when I got into college, I really still didn't understand. I started reading some mindset books and doing a little bit of mindset training, but it was really when I started working with a mindset coach, an actual sports psychologist, that, that things really started to click with me. And for me, um, <clears throat> the backstory there is that, you know, when I got to college, I was more or less a walk-on wrestler. Uh, I, I was recruited, but I was not a scholarship athlete to Virginia. When I first got there, all of my teammates were, you know, state champions or three-time state place winners. I, I never did any of those. My goal was to be a state champion, but I, I, I never even got onto the podium at the state championships growing up in Pennsylvania. And by the time I got to college, I, I just saw success 
as something that happened to other people, but not myself. Right. I saw mm-hmm. a goal achieving goals as something that other people did. And, you know, but I, I, I made the team, I uh, actually became a starter on the team as a freshman, which is a, a huge deal for me. And, and so I set my goal to be an all American, which means finishing top eight in the country. And my freshman year, I actually qualified for the national championships, which is the first step. You have to qualify for the national championships. And once you get to the national championships, you have to win four matches in order to become an All-American. And so I qualified for for nationals my freshman year, but I failed to achieve my goal. My sophomore year, again, I qualified for the national championships, but again, I failed. Uh, My junior year, it was pretty much a repeat of the prior two years. I qualified for the national championships, but again, my season ended with me sitting in the locker room in tears, wondering why I can't do this. You know, am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? Am I not capable enough? Like, do I just not have it, whatever it is? And, and there was a lot of doubt there. And I thought to myself, like, I can't possibly do any more. I can't work any harder. I can't run more miles. I can't lift more weights. I can't watch more film. There's just not enough hours in the day. Like, what is it that I'm missing? And so, Joan, I dedicated my entire off season to figuring out what is it that I, I was missing because I had one more shot. I had one more chance my senior year in college. And, and that whole summer, I, I would travel all over the East Coast tr- finding places to train. I'd go to different universities and I would work at their summer camps for high school wrestlers. I was just a counselor so I could be around these, these elite Olympic gold medalists and you know, national championship coaches that they would bring in to work at their camps. And I just wanted to be around those people and I would pick their brains and try to figure out what it was that I was missing. And by the end of the summer in the start of my senior season, I never figured it out. It actually hit me. It was, I was in Morgantown, West Virginia, sitting in a hotel room. And the next day was the West Virginia open. And I, I realized I never figured out what it was that I was missing. And in that moment, I gave up on the outcome. I gave up on trying to become an All-American. I literally let go and I said, listen, you know, I'm going to give this thing everything I've got. I've given it everything I've had up to this point, and I'm going to continue to do that the rest of the season. And if, if I end up on the podium, I'll be very grateful. If I don't, then I can't, I can't beat myself up because I'm doing everything I possibly can do. And in that moment, I, I was able to, I didn't realize it at the time, but I put down this fear of failure. I put down this baggage that I had been carrying with me for years. And I went out the next day and I, I competed with such freedom and, and fun. And, and I dominated the competition. I went 5-0 and, oh and and won the championship that day. And I competed the rest of the season with the same mindset. Um, and I had been working with a mindset coach at that time too, who kind of revealed to me that that epiphany that you had that that's performance psychology 101, right? Whether it's in sports or business or relationships or otherwise. And I competed with this freedom all season long. And, and again, I qualified for the national championships. And again, I had, you know, like I said, you have to win four matches to be an all American and I'd won my first three matches. Now I have to face the fifth ranked wrestler. I'm sorry, the fourth ranked wrestler in the country from the number one ranked team in the country, university of Minnesota. And there's 15,000 people in the arena. It's sold out like the national championships do every year for wrestling. And, and my life is on the line. As far as I'm concerned at that point, you know, uh, I'm a 22 year old kid and, and I'm thinking that, you know, my life is on the line. And I went out and I competed with the same freedom and had to let go of the outcome, knowing that I can't control the outcome. All I control is the process and, and, and putting everything that I have into it. And um, at the end of that match, I got my hand raised and, and I became an all American that day. And so that it, that elusive it that so many of us search for, for me, it, it's become the way that I think. And, and I think that that's the it that 
people don't realize. You know, we put all the training into sports or the education into business um, and any experience, but I think we stop ourselves because of the way we think it. And I, and I think that that's the it. Absolutely. It, it is this, this trying to be somebody who, who we want to be, whether in, instead of just being ourselves, like fully being ourselves, there's this concept of um, do have be versus be do have. And, and you may have heard of this, Joan, but for the listener's sake, you know, uh, so many times we try to do all the things that we need to do. And that's what I was trying to do in my wrestling career. I was working hard. I was showing up early, staying late, doing the extra workouts, watching the extra film sessions, et cetera. I was doing everything so that I could have, have the, the award, the recognition. And then I thought I would be the person who I wanted to be. And it was actually, I had it flipped around. You have to first be that person, be that person, allow yourself to be just fully be you fully be yourself allow this to happen and when you when you be that person then you will inherently do the things that you need to do they just naturally flow from you and then you'll have the success that you want a few years ago i interviewed ron darling who was a pitcher for the new york mets and he pitched a game seven during a world series and he talked about he he wrote a book about what happened on the mound and he talked about having a blue collar mentality And for him, what that meant was he had gone on to achieve all of this success, but somewhere within him, he really didn't believe he belonged there. And, you know, it was like this, I guess, this battle within him where he felt like he should be there some days, but there was that deep-rooted uncertainty, and that caused him to choke. It's what he believed happened. And I think that happens to so many of us because we have these self-doubts that we allow to infiltrate the way we see ourselves. And and like you're saying, you can do everything right. But if you allow that to creep in there, I think it really will stop us every time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can very much relate to that blue collar mentality. You know, I grew up, dad was a construction worker, mom was a secretary, and we were the hardest working people you ever met. And, but we always believed that success and wealth and abundance was there's just kind of this under underlying theme or feel or sense that that success at the highest level was for other people. And I think that's what he's referring to is, mm-hmm. is this, this sense, you know, that, that can be just wired into our unconscious mind that the highest level of success is for others. And, and you really have to, you, you have to do the hard work. We know that we know that we have to do the hard work, but it's the mindset piece that really is the difference maker. And I, I make it, I make a distinction between hard work and inspired action. Like whenever you figure out what it is that, that drives you, what it is that you want, when you have clarity of purpose, you gain this peace of mind and that allows you to turn hard work into inspired action. I mean, listen, the, the work that I did as a wrestler, I mean, the, the, the training is absolutely grueling and um, it, it's, it's widely considered the hardest sport uh, among the collegiate sports. Uh, and of course that's a, that's debatable and that's an opinion. But when you talk to folks who are a little more objective and, you know, I've talked to head coaches, national championship head coaches from other sports, soccer and lacrosse and football, and they, they regularly point to wrestling as, as the hardest sport as this grueling sport. And the training is just, just so intense, but 
that hard work was for me and, and for those who achieve at the highest level, it's, it's inspired action, just like you, Joan, for this, this podcast and this radio show. This is for a lot of people, this might be hard work, but for you, it's inspired action. Like you're willing to do the hard work because you're inspired to do it. And when you find that inspiration, when you find that thing that, that is calling you, um, you're willing to do the hard work. And, and then you, that also helps you find a belief that I'm doing the right thing and this is my calling and I belong here. I used to be one of those people, Jim, who lived small because I was afraid of failure. Whatever that word meant to me back then, I was afraid to take risks because I didn't want something to work out in a negative way for me. And it was really only once I learned to start to view failure, you know, like you talk about succeeding through it, because you you look at it then as a learning experience. You look at it as a creative stimulant in a way, because sometimes it may not work out the way you want, but then you can turn it and twist it and build on it and you can end up with something amazing. And so that was, you, you know, what I started to do. I looked at every experience as a learning experience, as a lesson rather than the end of the world. And that changed my life. It changed everything for me. Yeah, that is a hard place to get to, right? And, and, and for the listener, what Joan's talking about and what I, I you know, preach all the time is success through failure, but that doesn't mean failure is something you're seeking. Yeah. You're not like looking to go fail at the next thing you attempt. You're, you're just willing to push the boundaries. You're willing to try things and take risks. And sometimes those things fail. And, and when you fail, you, you know, our default wiring tells us, you know, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. See, I told you like stay in your lane. But, but the real truth here is that this is data for you. This is information. This is feedback. When you look at you know, the greatest of all time in, in whatever it is, whether it's Thomas Edison in inventions or, or, or Tom Brady uh, as the GOAT football player, the greatest of all time, you know, Tom Brady has had like a half a dozen games where he threw at least four interceptions. I mean, he didn't think to himself, oh my goodness, well, there's no way I can do well now. And he was, he was, uh, drafted 199th in the NFL draft. I mean, he, you know, he, he didn't think to himself, well, geez, I guess I'm not going to be any good now. Well, I mean, maybe he, he had some doubts. Maybe there were some, some thoughts of like, gosh, man, I, I need to step it up. Maybe I, maybe I can't really be as good as I thought it could be. Maybe that stuff crept into his mind, but he had to override it. He had to work with coaches and mindset coaches and, and belief. And we just think that for, for people who achieve at the highest level, we think that Failure, like they're immune to failure or, or resistant to the negative thoughts or the negative self-doubt. But no, like those things happen to everybody. And that's, that's what I talk about on my podcast, Success Through Failure. I interview world-class performers and we talk about failure. We talk about, you know, of course, tell me your habits for success and what you did to get there. But also tell me about a time when you failed. That, that people don't know about. And let's, let's, let's talk about what, what did you learn from that? And using that failure as feedback, I interviewed Tim Ferriss on my podcast, who's a pretty well-known podcaster, probably one of the best-known podcasters, and he's a five-time number one New York Times best-selling author. But he talked about failure as feedback and failure as data, failure as information. And we have to see it that way. It's not easy. We're not saying it's, it's, uh, it's going to come natural to you, but you have to hit the pause button and say, okay, I'm having this bad feeling right now because I, I tried that thing. I, I tried to run a marathon or go for that promotion or start that side hustle or have that tough conversation with my spouse. I tried to do that thing, but I failed. 
That is not evidence that you're not good enough or smart enough or capable enough. That is information for you. Now you know now, now you are wiser, more experienced, more knowledgeable, and you can take that information and learn from it, figure out what gaps you have in your game and where you can improve. So, Jim, if there's somebody listening to you right now who says, yeah, th- this is great advice, but every time I fail and it doesn't go right, it just chips away at my self-esteem, chips away and chips away. So how does that person turn it around so that he or she can get out of their way? Yeah, and listen, for that listener who, who's experiencing that, and, and I experienced that as well, we have to do something about it. <clears throat> First of all, welcome to the club. It's natural. It's normal. Um, you know, you, you listen to, again, podcasts like mine where I'm interviewing these Olympic gold medalists and CEOs and New York, New York Times bestselling authors. Like, it, it feels the same to them, but here's how they handle it. They do the mindset work. Um, I'll give you an example. There's, there's a, a wrestler. We'll stick with the, sort of my, my microcosm, my world of wrestling. Um, there was a wrestler who, uh, when he showed up at college, his mom handed him a journal. and She said, write down your goals. And so that night before he went to bed, he wrote down Kyle Dake. This is his name. He wrote Kyle Dake, 2009 NCAA champion, 141-pound weight class. He wrote that down. Now, he's a freshman. He's not going to win the national championship. You're just not, you know, is a freshman. That doesn't happen very often. Well, he wrote that down that, that night. He woke up, wrote down his goal again. He did it every morning and every night. That year, he went on to win the national championship. His sophomore year, his second year in college, he wrote his goal down twice in the morning, twice at night. And then he won the second national championship. His third year, he wrote it down three times in the morning, three times at night. He won his third championship. And his senior year, of course, four times in the morning, four times at night. And he won a fourth championship. Now, this guy went on to become – he was the first wrestler in the history of the sport to win a national championship at, every, at, at a different weight class every year. Every year, he bumped up a weight class and won a national championship. Nobody's ever done that before. But guess what? How many people have actually done what he's done in terms of writing down his goals every morning and every night? How many people actually are willing to do the mindset work? Um, a, a friend of mine, Dr. Nate Zinzer, he is, uh, he was, he's recently retired as the director of performance at West Point for about three decades. Uh, he worked with um, the top soldiers in, in the United States military, but also he worked with people like Eli Manning. Eli Manning is a, a Super Bowl MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion and MVP worked with Dr. Zinzer, Dr. Zinzer would have him do this kind of thing. He would have him do these exercises. He would have him do this mindset work. If you're, if you're experiencing failure and it's chipping away at your psyche, chipping away at your confidence, you actually have to do the work to override those things. And, you know, the, the, the simplest one is to create a mantra. I'm strong, something like I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm more capable because of that failure. I'm grateful for that failure. What have I learned from it? You can start with that, with those words. When you say those words and actually create the feeling inside of your body, then you begin to turn things around. Then you begin to take, take those things that are they're chipping away at your confidence and start building your confidence back. And I agree with you. I think the key is to keep moving forward with those baby steps because when we start to feel that things are going against us and our self-esteem gets chipped away, we tend to retreat and to quit. But it really is to keep being persistent, doing the work, moving forward, baby steps. When I started this work 13 years ago, it was the result of basically my life imploding. Everything I had, I lost in a very short period of time. And I created the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brand in a way to save me. 
And so I became a student of the work, hoping to give people tools to navigate whatever challenges they're facing. But it really did save me by studying and working and learning about the power of the mind. And as you keep saying, having inspired action, being persistent, it's not easy. It is not easy, but it is possible. And anyone can achieve the types of things that you've been talking about. That's right. And the key thing that you said there, Joan, is it's not easy. Like, it's not easy. We, we have to understand that. We have to realize that, okay, I'm having this, this bad feeling, this doubt, this fear of failure. I have to move forward anyway. That's what the great ones do. They move forward despite those things. And that's what you did, despite the losses that you had. And I, I, I've read about your losses and I understand like you, you experienced significant loss, three significant losses within five months. And, and you have to find ways to move forward anyway, despite those. And, and it's, um, it's not easy, but it's, but it's necessary. So Jim, put on your coaching hat for a moment. What would you say to someone right now to motivate that person to get started? Do one thing. Figure out one thing, one small catalyst. It's the start that stops most people. Listen, Joan and I have thrown a lot at you, you know, speaking directly to the listener right now. We've thrown a lot at you, a lot of things you can go do. What's one thing, one small thing? Maybe it's, maybe it's taking out a pen and paper right now and just writing out your mantra, shove it in your pocket, and then read it tonight before you go to bed and read it tomorrow morning before when you wake up. Um, one small catalyst. It might be sending a text message to a friend you can have, go have a cup of coffee with. It might be going on Amazon and uh, buying a book. Uh, it might be, you know, you know, like wh- whatever the, the one thing is, right? Um, you know, go to, to Joan's website and make sure you get on her, her email newsletter. So you're getting that dose of positivity. Like what's the one thing, just one small, easy thing you can do right now to create momentum. And I always say that Nike had the best campaign, the best slogan ever, just do it. I don't think there are truer words. Yeah, just do it. Just start. It's the start that stops most people. And Jim, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Sure. You can find my podcast on any platform, Success Through Failure. Uh, or you can just Google my name, Jim Harshaw. Uh, I'm on all the social media platforms. Just grab me on uh, Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm out there. And uh, the other one, the place is my website, Jim Harshaw, H-A-R-S-H-A-W, Jim Harshaw Jr., dot com slash apply if you want to apply for a free one-time coaching call with me uh, i look forward to talking to anybody who wants to, to grab a time on my calendar and jim in about 30 seconds or less what's the takeaway action do something take action understand that your failure your doubt your 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 you know things that are chipping away at your confidence like that's normal that's okay welcome to the club all the great ones have felt that too All you have to do now is take action. One small positive step to take action. We gave you a a handful of of catalysts of small things you can do. Um, Pick one of those and take action on it within the next 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Clock ticking. Go. (laughs) Jim, thank you so much for joining us. What a great conversation. And and I would love for you to come back anytime. Thank you, Joan. It was great to be here and love to come back again as well. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website 
C-Y-A-C-Y-L.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.